0: We spend far too much time worried about what makes us different than the next person, or better than the next person, and not enough time thinking about why we should respect the next person. We all have a story, an overarching theme that runs through our lives and makes us who we are. The problem is, we think that since each of our stories is different, there's not a lot of perceived value or shared struggle. But we have far more in common than we can imagine, and what motivates one person can certainly help us as well. Third Lap Podcast is about understanding, respecting, and appreciating the struggle that it takes to overcome immeasurable odds in order to reach your destiny. Join me as I interview and bond with some of the most inspiring and incredible people, diving into their why to get a full understanding of their being. Without each other, we have nothing. So let's go on this adventure together and take on the future with open minds and open hearts. Welcome to the Third Lap Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thank you, as always, for joining me here on the Third Lab podcast. Really excited to connect with just another amazing guest, another person that I've been waiting to actually connect with. So I'm super excited about this one. Um, I have the honor to talk to Diana Philo today, who's an educator, public speaker, and also a health and wellness coach. Philo, what's going on? How are you?
1: Hey, Mal. Um, I'm thrilled to be here and really excited that we we are finally getting to talk uh, about more than just recruitment and work stuff. So yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: And as the educator that she is, that was a perfect segue into what's next. And so how we know each other. um, I've had the fortune of working with Philo and learning a ton from her. Philo does the pathways and just really making sure that we have foundational ways for people to transition from teaching fellowships into full-time teaching roles and then for our more experienced educators ways to get into leadership and like take their leadership to the next level and so philo as a previous principal and school leader um really brings just a dope perspective to this work super excited to get deeper into why she's so passionate about these things but yeah philo anything you want to add about how we know each other
1: no it's just it's been an honor to be able to work with you over the past two years. And I'm really excited. Uh, I've listened to the pod. I'm very proud of you every time I listen. Uh, your mom was one of my favorite guests. So shout out to your mom. And yeah, I'm excited to get the conversation going.
0: Awesome. Yeah. My mom was one of my favorite guests too, for sure. That was a great conversation because uh, she likes to be so shielded and guarded, but I finally got her to drop that a little bit and just talk to us. So cool. yeah, that yeah. was a lot of fun. Uh, and so Philo, you know, this is the Rep Your Hood section. So what hood you repping?
1: I am from Plains, New Jersey. <laughs> um, for those of you, I mean, I rip Jersey pretty hard. I absolutely love where I'm from. I didn't learn how to pump my own gas until I was about 19. Uh, we can thank my college ex for that. And yeah, I'm, my whole family is from the central Jersey area. Still, I'm the, I'm the weird one that bounced around the country for a little bit. And the pull of the East Coast brought me back.
0: Yeah, definitely shout outs to Jersey. I love Jersey. I'm from I'm from Philly, but spent most of ha- about half of my life living in North Jersey. So, uh definitely shout outs to Jersey. Like we talked about before, I actually played ball with dudes from Scotch Plains. So, yeah.
1: so Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Funny. I
0: might know some of your homies like little brothers and sisters too, which is dope. And so yeah, just talk to me, Philo. You know, this is the opportunity that I have to sort of turn this podcast over to you. And so just talk to us about like your pathway and your journey and where you want us to begin.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I will start in college. So I went to Penn State University. I have to also shout out Penn State. Go to any Lions. I absolutely loved my four years in at State College. I always knew I was going to college. It was a Focus and a goal, and just something I heard from both of my parents from the jump. Um, my parents both went to a two year university. My mom eventually did get her four year degree. She graduated, um, she took one course a semester from, you know, I think I remember watching her take coursework, definitely in my high school experience. And so watching her go back to school and knowing her ed philosophy, like she wanted to make sure my sister and I had an opportunity to go to a four year school. So I, you know, that's one of the key moments was just having college be a focus for me. Um, I also want to thank my my dad too, right? Like I remember opening up my Penn State acceptance letter and I had also gotten to Rutgers. No shade to Rutgers, but like Penn State's Penn State. <laughs> and I knew financially Rutgers was just going to be easier. Um, But my dad, he was there when I opened up the letter and was just like, no, you're so, so let's get that letter back. Like, let's make sure Penn State knows you're going. And so those two moments I think are pretty key for me just to just to really, it frames everything else that I think I've done. Like my parents made sure I knew that school was important and was like access. And yeah, that's why I went to Penn State and I was a psych major and a social minor. I don't know what I thought I was gonna do with both those degrees. <laughs> what in the world was I going to be doing? I like learning about people. I like, you know, talking and engaging with people. Um, But I took a course called mental health in schools. And when I took that uh, course, it really also then changed my direction. Um, I worked in Baltimore. So I taught in Baltimore in second grade um, uh, off of, you know, it was Waverly elementary school where the old stadium used to be, if you know, Baltimore and off of 33rd and when I was going to when I was working in second grade I also went to Johns Hopkins so I got my master's from Hopkins and I just really got passionate about educating students especially students who don't always get the opportunity for an excellent education because of where they were born and the color of their skin so I really love the work that you and I do. And um, I think we have a similar passion there. So yeah, from there, I've, I coached teachers across the country, uh, both with within Baltimore, but then across the country, I supported new teachers as they were getting ready to teach in their areas. So I've gotten to watch educators in New Orleans, Atlanta, Nashville, Memphis, like a lot of cool places. And so I also got a chance to work remotely around the country so i lived in brooklyn we got to give brooklyn a little bit lo- but a little a little bit of love uh, i lived in brooklyn i also lived uh in california for a bit when i was working remote with teach for america and uh eventually wanted to be back with kids and while i loved coaching new teachers and adults i really miss working with kids which is what brought me back to kip and the east coast so Philly's that fine balance where it's like close enough to home, but not like right there. Uh, And so I taught first grade again uh, and kind of went from there. So first grade assistant principal, uh, and then I founded KIPP West Philadelphia Elementary School, and that building has bounced around a little bit, but we're now Parkside Ave. And my latest job, you beautifully framed was, uh, I'm a senior director of teacher and leader pathways. So I think it's the perfect meld of using my school-based knowledge with my passion for watching adults become their best selves and creating pathways for people to do that. That's kind of like the timeline version of my story. Uh, and of course there are twists and turns all throughout there, but that's the, the straight journey.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate you walking us through that. Um, I'm going to ask a ton of loaded questions here because yeah, that's just what I do. Um, and so, you know, because you mentioned that you had the opportunity to work with educators in so many different regions, what are overlapping reasons that you've seen in your own work, both as a school leader, as a coach, as a mentor, um, for people just leaving the work, right? Like we talk so mm-hmm. much about retention and wanting to keep people Mm -hmm. and and, you know all of these efforts I put quotes in the air are made to like really pursue that but then in talent we see this mass exodus of people every single school year and so in your experiences what have been some of the reasons that you've seen people leave and like how have you been able to potentially talk people through those transitions to even keep them to to keep them or, or have them stay
1: that's such a good question such a good question the million dollar question really right if we could figure out the answer to all of that you know i i see a lot of reasons and the thing that probably i relate the most to is that connection to well-being and health right i've struggled with my mental health over the course of my um really my life but when i look back it's definitely it came full force in my 20s and so i i think that the second our educators stop taking care of themselves a lot of other things will spiral And so that I think is, is one thing of just the work is hard. So if you're not leaving space to take care of your mind, body, spirit, it's going to be very hard to go into work every single day and be successful. Um, But it's also, there's so many other layers. I honestly, I can't even imagine being an educator right now when it comes to teaching during the pandemic, I look at the people we work with and I just like, feel so blessed that we get to work with the people we do. Um, but when you look at the overall system, right? Like (laughs) when we get real, real down to it, the United States didn't create an education system that was supposed to help black and brown kids thrive. And our teachers work in that environment every day. Our kids are in that environment every single day. And it just becomes really hard. Um, and for whatever reason, whether it's politics or money or personal reasons, the system is broken in many ways. And I think that's part of the reason it's hard for a lot of educators to stay, even the ones who, some of our, our best teachers, it gets really hard.
0: And so you mentioned that like the mental health, well, first definitely shout out mental health awareness, um, Mind Your Mentals podcast. That's why we created the podcast in the first place without Tim, um, because we really wanted to proactively address a lot of these things. If you don't mind though, talk to us a little bit about like your own experience in your 20s. Um, Because I think a lot of folks can relate, right? Like that college age, the pressure of having to do well in school, but also simultaneously having to figure out like the next version of your life as a professional. Mm -hmm. So much stress and pressure is put on the end of high school and all the way through college. And so, yeah, if you don't Mm -hmm. mind just walking us a little bit those struggles, yeah. Yeah, I
1: actually... At first, I was so ashamed to talk about these things, and now I will talk about it to anybody who will listen, because I, I think if I knew another person that was going along the same path, I think mental health people talk about it a lot more now, but um, even just 10 years ago, it wasn't as much of a thing, uh, and so when I look back, I think I was I was always wound real tight, right? Like, I was a kiddo who needed to be perfect. I was a gymnast. I was a dancer. I did... I was a class treasurer like I did all of the things I did all the homework I was in a I was in AP classes and I was just stressed out all the time and my internal dialogue was it was just like was wretched um, I was never good enough, never pretty enough, never skinny enough, never smart enough and that that tape just played constantly and i you know i I kind of just kept my head down and was like, I'll just keep working and working and working and striving for perfection. And eventually there was the, the crack in the foundation just imploded. Um, the impetus of that was a breakup and by, by no means I've got to the point, like it wasn't his fault, but like the foundation was bound to break at some point. And that was the catalyst of me actually taking a look in the mirror and saying like, oh, I am anxious. And I was also in a terrible depression. Um, and I had a really severe eating disorder throughout my twenties. So, you know, all of the methods I was using to cope weren't working. And I cried my way to a therapist. Uh, i battled back and forth about meds or no meds. And I understand people who go through that struggle too. And now I'm at a point, like I've been going to therapy for years now. Um, I I know I love my therapist. (laughs) I was diagnosed with that uh, anxiety and depression. I personally have made the choice, like I am on meds for both of those things and they help significantly. I know that's not the choice for everybody, but I was also trying to, you know, I also do the meditation. I at least attempt. That's really still very hard for me to silence my brain. <laughs> I don't know about you. Um, the working out, I try to eat right. And I think I, I see when I'm not doing those things, the, the voices start coming back into my brain. And the other thing I did that, I, uh, that has been a real help is I actually stopped drinking altogether. I, I was pretty social. Like it made me comfortable and a lot of the, the voices in my head and all of those negative thoughts would melt away a little bit. And it's really silly to give a depressed person a depressant. So once I put those two things together, that's also been a huge help to just not add that depressant to my life. And so those are all the pieces to the puzzle that have come together. And, and now that I can see warning signs earlier, I know when I have to take an assessment and look, okay, do I need to reset boundaries. Am I working out? Am I drinking enough water? All those things. It's not always the the place to start, but um, at least I can see where things start to get shaky if I'm getting too stressed out or I'm not doing things that I should be doing.
0: Hey, everybody. So I have some really exciting news. The Third Lab podcast is actually expanding. And so I'm in the process of putting together a co-author book called The Third Lab, transformational stories of life experiences that make us better and this is a great opportunity for anyone that's looking to get published for the first time or if you've been published before this is a great opportunity to well not have to write a whole book yourself and so if you're interested in learning more about the product the program the opportunity feel free to reach out to me at maldavis 21 at gmail.com or feel free to reach out to me through the socials for the third lap Really excited about this program, really excited about this opportunity, and really excited for you all to come and join me. So again, if you have any questions, want to learn more, feel free to reach out to me at any time. Each one, teach one. We all learn together. Peace. Yeah, I appreciate that transparency, and as somebody that, like, literally still to this day, I'm working on reversing the negative way that I talk to myself, right? Like, you know, I realized that I was motivated myself by fear of failure and not by Mm -hmm. the alert of success. And like, those are very different Mm -hmm. things, right? Like, you know, when you you fear that you're always failing or not doing well, like that pressure is, um, it's incredible. Um, And, you know, it Mm -hmm. it manifests itself in my personal life very negatively. Um, And then I can relate, like I was clinically diagnosed with depression at 15, been on and Mm -hmm. off meds, like since then, Um, haven't been on them for about 10-ish, 12-ish years now. Um, just yeah. because I felt that, like, for me, it just took too much away from, like, my ability to emote. But to your mm-hmm. point, you know, if you need the meds, if that's what's going to get you the help mm-hmm. that you need, do that, right? Because yeah. so many times we, we supplement that with, like you said, alcohol, or for me it was marijuana. Um, marijuana, and, you know, it gets to a point where now you're an addict and depressed, right? Like, you know, like terrible you,
1: combination. Right?
0: Like you, you've now compounded these issues. And my dad mm-hmm. and I, in his episode, talk a lot about um, just addiction and, and his process getting mm-hmm. over, and he's been a huge help to me. But, you know, uh, there's so much. And you said it, you know, we talk more about this now. But like these conversations 10, 20 years ago, like the shrouded in secrecy. We never spoke about these things, right? Because yeah. we were afraid of how people would view us. And so, Philo, you know, I really appreciate you just being honest, because I guarantee somebody's going to hear this and maybe in the exact same situation and like we'll be able to get ahead of it versus having to go mm-hmm. through and learn it themselves. Yeah. And
1: yeah, so,
0: that's
1: the hope.
0: Yeah, absolutely. For sure. That's why this exists is that somebody's going to hear this and it's going to help them get on their pathway. And so you, you mentioned, um, all of the work that you've done in education, which has been quite a lot. Like you've, you've seen a lot of things, you've experienced a lot of things, but most of your time has been spent in elementary school. And so for you, um, why was that sort of like the money area where you felt it was necessary to concentrate your efforts? Oh, I love the
1: babies. Uh, well, first it was the, the- like luck of the draw. So like I said, I was um, psych and social, which gave me my transcripts enough of a variety that I could be certified in the state of Maryland for elementary ed. So that's like, that's how it first started. Uh, and I ended up in this small room in um, in Baltimore. And that's just where I, uh, if we could get it Right and get kids really on a strong path in the beginning of their educational journey. I just think it makes a world of difference. Yes, there are challenges that happen in middle school and high school, but for some reason, for me, I just feel this like complete draw to, to be with kids and at this at a young, young, young age. Um, and I feel as though when I was at the elementary school here in Kip Philly watching kids learn how to read is one of the most incredible things when you really think about it. Uh, it, A lot of us don't remember how we learned how to read. It just was was something that eventually came to us. And as a teacher, watching kids figure it out, and then better yet, watching kids get obsessed with reading is incredible. So that's part of the reason why. um, And I also, I started my school, when I think of the vision for KWPEA, it's really based on, on that tape that I talked about. I, if I can have even the smallest influence in helping young kids create the positive tape in their brain, I feel like I've done something right. Um, because like you said, it takes a lot longer to erase that tape and, and and tape over it than it than it is to just have a solid start. That's actually a story I've told when I talk about founding the school. Um, and i ad- I just adore the, the age group and watching parents the first day of kindergarten is always my favorite day of school, especially when I was a principal because I was watching parents trust us with their their pride and joy. like their biggest gift is always, I think trusting a school with their 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 loved one, their, their baby. Um, and it's not always easy. There are a lot of tears for the first day of kindergarten for all my kindergarten teachers, shout out, you know who you are. Um, but yeah, that's part of it too. It's just to see kids at the start of their journey, um, to think the kids that I taught in first grade are now going to be freshmen next year here is just insane. And I want to be here when they're crossing the stage. And I see some of our teachers, even from high school, I get so jealous that they get to, they are, they're already at the stage where they get to see kids walk across (laughs) college stages or go into whatever work they want to do. Um, but I like to be there right at the beginning.
0: Yeah, and, and that's so powerful. Um, and definitely shout outs to the kindergarten teachers. Uh, I've realized very early in my education career, I was way too tall to be in kindergarten. I'm also not a, <laughs> like, I'm not a thespian, I'm not an actor. You gotta be on for those little ones.
1: On, yeah.
0: To point. I remember um, sitting in a, um, when I was at Uncommon Schools and it was like uh, during breakfast, the kids were, the kindergartners were counting to 100 by fives in unison. And I remember sitting there and I was like, could I do this in kindergarten? Like, like I really have to say <laughs> yeah. like were we on this level when we were these this age? Um and so yeah, I mean setting that I'm a big middle school person because I feel like middle school is really a lot of times our last opportunity to build that intellectual curiosity in students before they mm-hmm. transition to high school, where the expectation mm-hmm. is you already know it, right? Like as an eighth grade mm-hmm. ELA teacher, I had kids on third grade reading levels. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I know that that's not sustainable when you get to high school, mm-hmm. right? Like that's why we yeah. see these dropout rates because we lost them super early, right? Like by third mm-hmm. grade, already determined in prison beds and, and building new yep. prisons. And so, yeah, elementary school is definitely the money area. And then for me, middle school is like, man, let's get them. Let's get them invested. Let's Like you said, let's redo this tape that they hear in their heads so that they really yeah. big themselves up um, because, you know, that's so important. Um, Yet yeah, we hear very few people talk about that, right? <laughs> you know, we, yeah. not a lot of conversations about redoing mm-hmm. that tape for our kids and, and for ourselves too. Um, and so, you know, Philo, we, we talk a lot about you as a leader and, and I like the joke and ask you when we have openings come up, if you transition them back into the classroom and <laughs> <you> very transparently <laughs> tell me that's not for you. And so let's talk a little bit about your time as a leader. You know, you founded our elementary school, Baby West, uh-huh. um, and you you played a very significant role in setting its foundation um, before handing it over. And so talk to us about like that transition. You know, there are so many teachers as a recruiter what I hear so often is I wanna teach for two or three years and then become a principal. And then I'm like, mm, even in the charter oh. world, like that's, yeah, right. Like, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> you might have to do longer <laughs> than you. that. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, talk to us about your transition. Like, what did that look like? Um, and then ultimately, why did you decide to make that move into becoming a school leader?
1: Yeah, uh, all amazing questions. The moment I realized I wanted to start a school I was actually sitting in an info session at the school I was working at, which was the KIPP school, um, KPEA. And I was just doing the math, right? The cafeteria was packed with parents that wanted their kids to be kindergartners um, in that building. And we only had one elementary school at the time. And I was doing this fellowship that was priming me for for leadership with with KIPP. And I just looked around and as I was doing the math, I was like, if not me, then like, not that other people aren't doing it, but like, why not me? Right. Um, I don't want to say if not me, then who, cause that feels really not, not, I'm not trying to sound that air, right. It wasn't the air of arrogance, but like our families deserve more opportunities and mathematically, most of them in this cafeteria space are not going to get the slot they want in this building. And that's when I joined um, a fellowship called the Fisher, Found- the Fisher Fellowship, where I spent a year traveling the country and just learning how other leaders led their schools. Uh, I got to hang out in a bunch of different cities and learn from a lot of amazing leaders. Uh, and that's where the vision for KWPEA came from. But it really all started with that cafeteria moment of, of our families deserve all of the choices Um, so let's give them more and being a principal by far was the hardest job I've ever done in my life. Point blank period. I managed adults for seven years before I went back into the classroom and that helped me a lot thinking about, okay, how do our newest teachers learn? How do you coach somebody else to coach a new teacher? Uh, so that combination is perfectly aligned to, okay, how do I manage APs? How do those APs coach our teachers and make our teachers better so that our kids can shine? And you mentioned in my intro, like I also work um, as a health and wellness coach in in some capacities and and that I do that on the side too, because I love seeing people do what they're supposed to do and be who they're meant to be. And watching a, a teacher teach who is just magical is I think the greatest gift that that we as leaders get to, to see like I have a certain subset of classrooms that on my worst days as a principal I would sit in their room because it put a smile on my face and I remember why they're there and you see kids moving and learning so yeah I think that's the combination of my story and my why is the vision for the school but it all started because I I just knew our kids needed more opportunities
0: And so I feel like that really transitions well into what you're currently doing as the Senior Director of Teacher and Leader Pathways, because you had a chance to walk through those pathways yourself um, and then now are responsible for turning around and really designing from scratch, right? Like, you know, what we're certainly doing, certain components of it already existed, other pieces, you know, you've added on Mm -hmm. yourself. And so yeah, just talk to us. I do want to get into the wellness coaching too in a moment, but talk to us about your current role. Um, you know, we, we've talked about it from like a sort of higher arcing level, but really like break it down to us. Why is it so important that organizations, school districts, CMOs, um, have mm-hmm. these very legit teacher and leader pathways? Like what's the importance of that work?
1: I love this job, right? Like I, I'm the first person in our region that has had this role, it didn't exist before, and I'm really proud to be doing it. I see it as the pipelines and the pathways that I create or just solidify, because like you said, a number of these programs have already existed. Um, It allows people to become, to level up, right? Like, So if you are an aspiring teacher, but you've never had an ed background, our Liberty Teaching Fellowship is a great way for you to step into a classroom in a um, formal environment where you're getting on the ground learning while also your own development and growth. So that, I think, the, that that bridge between aspiring and then lead teaching, people need a lot of support and coaching to be able to, to do that, but in knowledge, their skill, and the mindsets it takes. Uh, and I see that across all of those jumping points, right? So if you're a lead teacher and you want to get experience or expand your impact with your grade level team, there's there's something for emerging leaders. So the, the series that I do with leadership development with our emerging leaders, where we do workshops at night um, on those basic leadership levels, it's just I think everybody wants to, I have not met a person that doesn't want to be better, do better, learn more, and grow in this work, so the pathways are just clarifying what that can look like for someone, Um, whether that's a Liberty Teaching Fellowship, Emerging Leaders, all the way up to the Principal in Residence program. Um, I think so often in education, we throw people in the deep end, and it's sink or swim, so why not actually create supports and structures that can make people learn and grow into the roles that they're interested in. I also think it's important for these pathways in case someone isn't interested, right? Like if you are thinking about being a teacher coach and you do the teaching coaching modules with me and you watch three coaching video, you watch three teaching videos and you decide you hate watching other people teach, well then stay in the classroom, right? And you do that work. Sometimes the idea of being a lead a school leader or an assistant principal can can sound super sexy and people think they want to do that but I'd much rather you be in the classroom and be happy than trying to force yourself to to be a position that that actually doesn't suit your skill set or doesn't drive you so the pathways also give people I think an opportunity to really test out what's whether or not their next step is the right next step for them
0: yeah I love that piece around what you just said towards the tail end of like figuring out if that next step makes sense school leadership is super sexy to everybody everybody for the most part wants to be a school leader or have some like you know piece of them that aspires to that because that's sort of what we're told is like as a teacher you become a teacher leader then you become an AP then you become a principal then you know uh-huh. state principal or head of schools or work in the district or okay. whatever it may be. And so this is very clear, like step up ladder, but there are so many folks that I've met like yourself that were like, okay, I made it to the top of the ladder and this is not where I want to be. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that it's so important that there are options for people that want to make that move and there are options for people that just want to figure it out um, because, you mm-hmm. know, the more information you have, the better positioned you are to make the right choice for sure. Um, and yeah. so, you know, Philo. I wouldn't be doing you service though, if we didn't talk about your wellness coaching and that component of your work, because that you're a hell of a educator, but like, I see how much passion that you put into that work. Um, And I I know how much joy you get from seeing people, like you said, like actualize the best version of themselves. And so what led you to that work ultimately? And then what is it that you actually do from a day-to-day standpoint?
1: The work I'm going to talk mostly about is with this organization called Stratejoy. During that low point in my 20s, at some point, I Googled quarter life crisis <laughs> to just see what popped up. And sure enough, there was um, this woman named Molly Mehar who popped up and she had a website of, um, it was you know, I feel like life coaching is also something that people talk about a lot. You can Google that and there, everybody seems to be becoming a life coach, but she was doing that way before other people were. And she just had this program that she sent in a a manila folder. She was writing out on her own. Uh, and it was just reflection questions to, to help figure out what are your personal values? What makes you happy and how to kind of create a more joyful life. And so I started to do her programs and eventually just became, I joke with Molly all the time, like I'm a Strata Joy Lifer. I um, did her mastermind group called Elevate in 2013. I She did a summer camp for women. We're talking like adult women <laughs> at a summer camp where we did silly games. And we also spent a lot of time just reflecting on, um, key topics and elevate in some of the stuff she did at summer camp became her biggest program now called reclamation. And what reclamation is, is a 10 month course that she has a teaching call, guest calls books that she recommends on specific topics. And what I do is I take a subset of less than 10 women and I go through the course with them. Um, on a smaller group. So you can either choose to do the whole group or also opt into a small group, but I'm a small group leader so I'm an upgrade with the program. <laughs> so those folks I talk to them, we have monthly calls and the topics run from we start with authenticity. I think to you live your life very authentically and that's the right like that's the heart of everything. If you are not able to sit authentically with yourself, None of the other stuff really is going to be able to come together in pieces. So we work on authenticity, and expectations, um, body love, pleasure month, abundance. I know I'm thinking of creativity is a month that we do. So we go through all of these different months with these overarching themes, and I run the small group calls. I am available for my mentees as someone who talks them through the content on one-on-one basis. So if somebody's having a really hard month with body love, they will do a call a coach and they'll call me and we'll talk through whatever's going on with them. I'm just basically a listening ear. Um I tell them I, I'm not a certified life coach, I'm not a therapist. I'm somebody who just went through all the same programs and I've been through some similar things and um, people if they have somebody else who's like a third party that doesn't know them too well, they're able to really figure out their own problems themselves. They just need a sounding board of somebody who doesn't have any stake in the game, and so that's kind of what I do for them. And the other thing I've done on the side is I actually um, I have worked with Beachbody. I do that a lot less now because I just diet culture is something that I I'm really trying to break my own mind free of. So I was finding myself falling into some of those patterns, but I have a great group of women that I that I run a small group online and people are just working out on their own and posting their selfies and um, really proud of themselves when they can finally run that 5k they set a goal but yeah that's the other component of things that I do is I help run these groups because like I said mind body spirit is so important and those two different avenues have really helped me myself and so I just want to help others through that too.
0: And that's also, and I think so important too, is that like when we learn things, it's imperative for us to turn around and teach them to other people, right? Like mm-hmm. Maya Angelou said, the purpose of education is to liberate others. The, the tagline mm-hmm. for this show was each one, teach one, we all learn together. Like that communal learning is imperative to our growth and success. And so I love that, you know, from your own individual struggles that you realize the importance of being able to share your message with the community that then ultimately motivates people to be great, right? Like, again, that's why this podcast exists is like, I want this to be motivation for greatness. Um, I don't want you to think that you went through something that no one else has been through. Like, nah, it's all mm-hmm. these episodes. Somebody has been through this, right? Um, right. You know, like Hatcher, as my boy said early on, like none of us are island, right? You know, our shared experiences are imperative. And so, Philo, I really appreciate you because you really have taken the time. Um, you could be doing anything, right? But you realize that investing in people is super important. Um, and like, that's where that's why we resonated pretty early on because you know you said <laughs> I'm authentic but you're super authentic too right like you know I've come to you and ask very straightforward questions and appreciate the fact that you give me straightforward answers because I know the truth um, but sometimes you got to ask just to make sure <laughs> so you know <laughs> yeah. you've been super super helpful and super supportive of me again I, I know that you just do that with pretty much everybody Isaiah constantly sings your praises um and oh, and you right, know that's <laughs> 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 what up Isaiah hey so i'm really excited to announce the first ever advertiser for the third of that podcast and of course it's the homie teddy Gandhi and his team from blacks apparel blacks is a clothing company that focuses on black reality both past and present they share daily blacks or black facts quotes and content regarding black reality through their social media So stop by the store at Blacks.com, that's B-L-A-C-T-S.com, to check out the Blacks Basic Tees and all of their inventory. Blacks also uses its platform to collaborate with local artists, so keep an eye out for their limited edition tees and apparel. Make sure to use the promo code THIRDLAP for 10% off your first purchase. I mean, really, what you waiting for? Get the Blacks.com, THIRDLAP, For 10% off your first purchase, support the homie Teddy, support the podcast. Let's go. So appreciate you walking us through your your professional and sort of personal history. Um, At this point, though, I would love to hear more about like your why. So you mentioned Mm -hmm. it a little bit, um, but what is your motivation? like? What keeps you pushing in those really tough days where you're potentially struggling with the diet component? Anxiety and depression are sort of peaking for you, but like you stay locked in. Why is that? What no. keeps you make? What keeps you just motivated to go forward?
1: Personally, professionally, or both? I would say both. Both. Um, I find it a lot easier. I think on the professional level sometimes because I think of any of my students, right? That that I've connected with. I, the names Taylor and Asaya come up to me the quickest because they deserve me at a hundred. Um, working with their leaders at this point or working um, with their the teachers that teach someone like Asaya or teach someone like Taylor. Um, and so on, on the crappiest days, uh, it is the students. And also, like I said, those magical teachers that we work with. Um, it's hard to watch any of those magical teachers right now, uh, but I cannot wait till the buildings open up and I can just sit in certain teachers rooms and just watch kids light up um and learn from them. So those are the things just I think professionally ground me. And then personally, I actually this this I think the best way I went to SoulCycle yesterday morning. So shout out to Lauren, my Soul Cycle instructor. Um, and she brought up this good point. Like right now we're all undefeated. If we're up and walking, you know, in the literal or figurative sense, like we have been undefeated on all of our hardest days because we've gotten up again. And so on my, my, my darkest days, I think it's just remembering like I've been through some hard stuff. And so take a moment. I have to sometimes make the decision. Is this a sulking day? And I just want to be a hermit um, and maybe lay in bed a little bit longer than I should. But I also know those warning signs now. And if I'm doing that too many days in a row, it, Probably it means I need some somebody, something, and a community somewhere to make me feel better. And so, yeah, I just, I want to help other people be better and make other people feel like seen, cared for, and that they can be their best selves. And so that's, I think, also what gets me out of bed every single day. It was really hard, I will say, with the pandemic, right? Because I live alone. I... <laughs> staring at my walls for a good chunk of the day. And I was very insular because I wanted to keep my family safe. So I was only driving to Jersey to see my immediate family um, on the weekends. And and so I miss the people, right? And being connected to some of those folks that I just know and love. Um, And I get to watch Be Great all the time. And so, yeah, that's just part of, I think me as a person is just like, how can I make someone feel seen today and part of that is knowing where I am mentally and if I need to make some changes for the day
0: yeah that the warning signs are so important um yeah. and like you know now that I've and shout out to my therapist Omar who continues to help me like work through this stuff but I've gotten to the point where I even alert like my wife and other people that I work with and love yeah. that, like yo, if you see this or if you hear this like yeah. Be like, yo, Mal, you depressed? What's up with you, right? Like, address it head on because it got to the point where, like, I don't even know. Sometimes I know one of my Mm -hmm. key things is when I start playing Madden for like ten hours a day, then something's going on, right? (laughs) So I I told my wife, I was like, "Listen, if you catch me ODing, like, I like Madden, but I don't like it that much. Um, so I'm trying trying to run exactly like I'm trying to run away from something. So you know, holler at me and see if I'm okay. Um, but Yeah. yeah, those those signs are so so important.
1: I did, I did the same thing. I didn't talk as much about my eating disorder, but that is just, that's a constant fight. And I probably didn't talk about it as much because it is a constant fight. Still, so I'm not as like, I don't feel like I have as much of a hold on it, but I have certain friends that I said, if you start seeing me do some funky things with food, um, tell me, because to your point, like I will I will make up some idea that, oh, I'm just like clean eating. And that's what I'm doing no, you're not. You're just taking out all like eat the bread, eat the things. Right. And so I have a, a small subset of friends that, that I do um, tell them. And especially I, with COVID, I, that's part of the reason I stepped away with um, beach body. I still do it. I love the exercise. I love the workouts, but when I'm by myself in this apartment alone, my, my body dysmorphia goes bananas. And I, if I let myself start portions or whatever I probably would have went bananas with it and gotten really sick again so um I just kind of kept that to a bare minimum this time around because that's yeah not a good place when I go down that route
0: yeah, not at all. And the diet and stuff is so tricky, right? Because there are uh-huh. so many diets and so many fads uh-huh. and everybody's telling you that you're supposed to, Instagram does us no favors, right? Uh-huh. Like, you know, uh-huh. this perfection that we're all chasing that just isn't real. And like the crazy part is we know it's not real, right? Like right. we, we right. know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's not real yet. Still, yeah. we spend so much of our time pursuing this thing that even if we like achieved it, we wouldn't be happy right? Like, even if you oh, when I, was, I body. wasn't, exactly, exactly. I hit, yeah. I hit
1: a number and went far past that number that I thought, Oh, once I hit this number, I'm going to be golden. And I, I was a shell, literally a shell of myself because 98% of my thinking was how am I going to avoid going out to eat with my friends? Because I don't want to take in those calories or how like, what can I have on this menu that isn't going to whatever, you know, just my mind was all the time. Yeah. And it's, it, it did nothing. If anything, I just became worse and more sick because I was chasing this this thing. Being a dancer and a gymnast was probably not helpful for me. It was basically the, the worst combination, but I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. To your point, it, it didn't, didn't matter in the end.
0: And it's crazy because like I had no idea and I should have in a patriarchal society, like the pressure that women are put under to maintain this, I mean, unhealthy image, to be quite honest, like For sure. you know, when you're sure. frail, like that means you're not getting the nutrients and the things like you exercise, yeah. but like you're not in a, a good physical place Um, and just yeah. connecting with like, you know, former models and, and folks that play, you know, sports, gymnastics, stuff like that. And just hearing yeah. about, I've heard cheerleading, I've heard this same story from women so many times, and it's just, I'm glad that so many of them that I've spoken to have gotten to where you are, um, but so many of them haven't, right, like so many of them, Mm -hmm. that becomes a manifestation of their adulthood, they now teach Mm -hmm. their daughters that same thing. Um, and, and it's just a, it's just a, a fucked up cycle, man. Uh, it's terrible. And, and, yeah, it's terrible. and I, I, and that's why I so appreciate your transparency right now, um, especially around what you just said, which is like this is still an ongoing process, right? But like yeah. that's the purpose of us having this conversation today. I don't want anybody that's a finished product. Because uh, come that's on, like, you know, that's not. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. And so, you know, all of this is an ongoing process as we continue to evolve as human beings in, a, in this uh, environment that we're in. And so, as always, Philo, you know, I just appreciate you being a real one. Mm-hmm. Um, you always just are so honest and truthful, um, even when it hurts. Um, and like to me, sometimes like that's the key. You know, we just got to live in that pain sometimes and, and, yeah. and stretch ourselves further. And so, you know, we're we're continuing here on a third lap. We're running the lap almost to the end. And so we're now at the motivational thoughts for the people. And so this is your area, just to stamp the knowledge. You know, what do you want people to walk away with understanding about you and your message?
1: Yeah. Uh, mental health matters, right? Uh so, so break the stigma, share your story. Because vulnerability is the the is such a strength. Uh, because when you're vulnerable, you're going to be able to connect with other people. So stamping mental health matters, connect, 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 Um, and you can connect through the vulnerability. And I just want everyone to know that they're perfectly made, right? Um, And you're here for a reason. And so it's hard to remember that sometimes, So don't forget that anybody's listening that needed to hear that today. I hope at the very least you're like, I am perfectly made. Somebody's driving in their car. Damn right. I am. And I hope that makes somebody's day a little bit brighter because it's hard for me to remember that sometimes. So those are probably my big three.
0: Yeah. I love that. You are perfectly made, man. That like, to me, that's the key to life, right? Is that self-acceptance and like when you Mm -hmm. stop trying to be something that you aren't, and accept who you are, right? And like, not saying that you accept it and don't continue to work. Of course you continue to work, right. but like loving yourself is the only way that you'll ever accomplish anything that you really care about in life. Um, yeah. Because, you know, especially through this pandemic, I mean, uh, much to your point, <laughs> yeah. there have been a lot of people that were literally by themselves. And so, you know, I mean, even here with my wife, like I spent, I spent so much time being introspective over this past year and some change because there's nothing else to do, no, <laughs> so nowhere no. else to go. I can only so,
1: watch the MCU, but so many times. <laughs> exactly.
0: And so, you know, you're, you're forced to really come to terms with a lot of the things that are wrong in your life or that need adjustment. Um, And one of my OGs, uh, shout out to Sadiq, um, you know, he told me, Sadiq, years ago, was like, when you, he asked me, could I look myself in the mirror and tell myself, like, I love myself, like, I love you, mm-hmm. Um, and this was back in college, so I was, like, maybe 23 or 24, and I couldn't, like, you know, mm-hmm. I looked, at, I tried it a couple times, and looked away every single time, Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I realized that I had come to uh, a good moment in my own adulthood when I could do that, and still can do that to this day, right, like, there are certain pieces, like, all right, yeah, I love you, but, you know, you could still work, Um, but, like, that yeah. disconnect, or, or that Our version of the eyes is no longer a thing and so folks Mm -hmm. that are listening to this you know love yourself you know like diana said man just you are perfectly made the way you are um believe in yourself you can do whatever you want to do but if you don't believe it it ain't gonna happen man never Mm -hmm. not one time um and so philo where can people oh sorry um Mm -hmm. so third lap book club list i'm jumping ahead um and so the book club list so any books that you suggest people check out, but then also as I've expanded over the past several episodes, just multimedia, media stuff. Yeah. What are things that music, anything that you want to share with the folks?
1: Yeah. I, um, so some of the books I actually, I just finished eloquent rage, which was very good. Um, I think it's Dr. Brittany Cooper. I just read for body love month. Um, my body's not an apology. That was a really excellent book as well. And I really resonated. Anybody who knows me, I'm a big Brene fan. So if anybody is at the start of this journey in terms of thinking about how do I change my mindset towards myself, go with Brene Brown's books. Darren Greatly is my favorite and a pretty good place to start if you want to just taste of the Brene Brown work. Um, So those are the serious books. And then if you want to go into... Harry Potter land, you know, I'll talk about Harry Potter all day. So <laughs> I knew
0: that was coming. As soon as you said book that seriously, the land. best <laughs> book four is the best book. So no, I was like, anymore. here comes Harry Potter. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh also with work. I mean, we just read James Baldwin. Um, and we also, what are some of the other ones that I really like? I'm looking over here. Um Oh, the Bettina Love book that we all we all read over the summer, too, I think is really excellent for both of those, I think are really excellent for educators.
0: The Bettina Love was that the Liberatory Education book?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. More Than Survive? Yeah, I've heard
0: nothing but great things about that. Oh,
1: so so good.
0: And then we can't leave here without mentioning that Philo might be the biggest Ludacris fan that there is. So, you know, anything (laughs) I'm sure she'll suggest any Luda. Uh, Do you have a favorite Luda album?
1: You drop the Christopher Bridges.
0: See, she said the man's um, government name. That's how you know she. I a do real know fan. his official. Man, yeah, follow name. his
1: wife. She's pregnant again. She's gorgeous. Oh, Luda. Um, oh, I mean, there's not. I don't think there's a ludicrous song I don't love. So that's the good. I, I didn't tell you this, but my niece, uh, I now she's two and a half. For those of you who don't know, which is hopefully a lot of you listening and uh, she just requested gasolina cuz I was listening wow. to Gasolina by Daddy Yankee. I was like my work here is done. done.
0: Like, thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. She'll get to Luda when she's a little bit older. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a little too early for her, but uh, oh yeah, you mentioned other things. Yeah, I'm a big binge watcher so okay. I, if I'm having a rough like if I just want to disappear, I love like the fantasy. So give me a Captain Marvel, give me a mm. give me a Captain America. Falcon and the Winter Soldier was just really good. Um, That one's pretty intense actually, because it it does a lot of reflection about race in America currently. So Mm it's this combination of a little bit too real for me at the time, but um, yeah, WandaVision was great. Uh, So less inspirational, but more just let your mind go.
0: I mean, letting your mind go is so important sometimes too. We stay Mm -hmm. locked in like all day, every day, spending all day on Zoom. And so sometimes you just need to let your mind wander. Yeah, um,
1: sometimes you just have to stare at Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie <laughs> on screen, and it's
0: Listen, delicious. And Mackie delightful. is my man, yo. Anything he's, <laughs> he's in, I'ma check it out. Yeah, yeah, he's an amazing actor for sure. Um, and so, Philo, where can people find you on social media if they want to interact with you to learn more about any of the work that you're doing, both personally or professionally?
1: Yeah, uh, there aren't many Diana Philos in the world I found. So, uh, Instagram's probably the easiest place. So, Diana philo f-i-l-o and then if you want to find me on linkedin same thing so just Diana philo and i think i'm the only one so those are the main two you really want to stalk me on facebook same just Diana philo but there's not much going on there
0: yeah i'll follow philo on instagram i follow on all the socials um, always positive posts which I love um, and, and motivational stuff and also you chopping it up which I love too because we can't we we can't always be motivated we we have to pour into ourselves right like we pour so much yeah. into others but finding that time to chill relax and just you know hang out um, is so important so important so mm-hmm. I enjoy seeing that the the mix and amalgamation of all of those things from your social media so definitely follow philo um, yeah, you're the only Philo I know, so it's been yeah. pretty. It was pretty easy to find you. Not many. <laughs> no, nah, not, not at all. And then so and then Philo was an acronym too, because when you type it into it your is. phone, and so what does it stand for again?
1: First in, last out, baby. That
0: yes. And so which is hilarious, because I kept typing it into my phone to text you, and it would like, it would capitalize it. Yeah, and I'm like, and you was like, yeah, that's what it means. I was like, okay. And mm-hmm. um, it also speaks to your work ethic too. So that's that's <laughs> hey. They, and my listen, Penn
1: State days. Hey,
0: <laughs> And you <laughs> mentioned Rutgers. So listen, I want to, I want to take a moment here to talk about this. Rutgers almost beat Penn State last year. So we're going to have to be careful. We're going to have to be careful about talking about Rutgers like this. You know,
1: I, I did not. I, I said nothing against Rutgers, but right, it almost right. only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades sir so thank you very much oh my gosh you're right you're right right. i need to get to a game so bad
0: yeah i'm excited that you know hopefully we'll be able to start attending some of this stuff again in person Mm -hmm. um because you know as much as i make jokes about penn State that's one of the few places that like packed out is just an intimidating atmosphere for visiting teams. Yeah. So i um, looking Banana. forward to that yeah. for sure. And I hope you can get to a couple games this year. And so Philo, we ran the third lap. We did it. We made it to right. the end. I appreciate you. Um, and I appreciate everybody for listening. Any last words that you want to share with people before we log out?
1: Just thank you for the work you're doing. I'm sure you're changing more lives than you know. Um, and I'm really lucky to get to see you tomorrow morning in a team meeting, but <laughs> I feel really blessed that I get to work with you every day. So I hope you know that too. So thanks to everybody who's listening to Mal.
0: Appreciate you. Yeah, I, I hope people are listening. People tell me they are. I don't, never, <laughs> they are, I don't they ask are. like follow-up questions or check for understandings at all. So hey, if you're listening, I appreciate you as always. Um, And follow again, the feeling is mutual. You know, from the first moment I've interacted with you to this day, you've not not—you've been nothing but genuine. So I appreciate you just being who you are um, and look forward to us continuing to develop our relationship over time. And so, you know, this is another episode of the Third Lap Podcast. This is your host, Mal Davis, signing out. Each one, teach one, we all learn together. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the Third Lap Podcast. This is your host, Mal Davis. Please visit thethirdlappodcast.com for more information about the podcast, about our guests, and also to see our reading list. You can find us at the Third Lap Podcast on LinkedIn and Facebook, at Third Lap on Twitter, and at third underscore lap underscore podcast on Instagram. If you know anyone, that would be great to be featured on this show please reach out to our host, Mal Davis. He's always looking for interesting people to learn more about them and to talk about their pathway. Thank you so much again. Have a good one.